Welcome to another edition of Churches Thriving. My name is Kyle Bryan. I'm here with our senior pastor, Tammy Jackson. We continue our discussion on those characteristics that churches who are declining have in common and churches that have died have in common. And we also continue to look at ways that those declining churches can continue to thrive once more. So this week we are talking about what happens when the budget goes inward mm-hmm. and how um, churches that that focus inward begin to experience decline. Do you yeah. want to tell us a little bit about that, Tammy? Sure. Um, churches exist to reach the world for Christ. We're supposed to make and mature disciples, and we're not supposed to choose just one of those. We're supposed to be making new disciples and maturing the disciples that we have. But what often happens is our budget begins to become completely inwardly focused. And that was a main characteristic when Tom Rainer and his organization did a survey of churches that had died that became the book Um, autopsy of a deceased church, that the budget had turned inward. Um, None of those churches still focused on reaching their community. Now, that doesn't mean that they didn't have a line item in their budget that was missions. Um, It just meant that their focus is not on getting out. They spent huge portions of their budget on themselves. So their financial budget. But I think there's also an emotional budget and Mm -hmm. an energy budget that we have that we, Mm -hmm. we expel inwardly too. Right. Well, when you talk to um, members of a church who are not happy about something, they almost always complain about something that they don't like. They don't like the music. They don't like the preaching. They don't like the time. They don't like the temperature of the room. They don't like the hardness of the pews. They complain about that. I, I don't know that I've ever heard a church member complain that they're They didn't have a strong outreach program witnessing to the world, that they weren't out in the community enough, that they weren't, and that their pastor wasn't sharing the faith outside. Like, our pastor's in the office too much. Why are they not out there meeting people? Mm -hmm. Um, Those are not the complaints that we usually have. It's, I don't like the goods and services that I'm receiving from the church. And that's usually a sign of an inward focus rather than an outward one. So how... so. We have this inward focus. Mm-hmm. Um, what what do people think? I'm always curious what people think we should be doing with our time. Okay. Um, I know I know some people think we only work one day a week, which not only is that not funny, it's it's mm-hmm. not true. Um, but what do people think that pastors mm-hmm. should do with their time? Well, when that comment about we only work one hour a week is made, there. Most of the time, I think people are meaning it as a joke, but very often there's like a little barb that comes Uh in under it. Like they don't think we work hard. Being a pastor is easy to do, but pastors have a really high rate of suicide, depression, and burnout. Heart attack. Almost right up there with um, dentists, (laughs) which have the highest in there. But yes, we're we're a horrible lot of people to insure. That's Mm -hmm. why our healthcare costs are so expensive is because it's a high-stress job um, with very little affirmation, and so people burn out. We lose um, almost half of pastors in the first five years after they finish seminary Mm -hmm. because the reality of pastoring is so very different from the reality. So what they were taught in seminary Mm -hmm. doesn't match what they expected. There was a survey done, um, again, by Tom Rainer's organization, and they polled what are the minimum number of hours that a pastor should spend in each of 20 different categories. So it gives you the top, like, 10, and then it groups the others together. So is this how pastors actually spend their time, or is this how... No, this is how this is how members of the congregations feel their pastors should invest their time. Okay, a minimum of fourteen hours praying, preferably at the church, 
18 hours in sermon prep. We do get taught in seminary that there should be about an hour of prep for every Mm -hmm. minute of a sermon. Um, 10 hours on outreach and evangelism, 10 hours counseling, 15 hours on hospital and home visits, 18 hours on administrative functions, five hours community involvement, five hours denominational involvement, five hours in church meetings, four hours in those worship services where you're preaching, and then 10 hours doing all the other things on the list. Problem is, if you total that up, that's 114 hours a week, which is more than two full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot. Um, And it becomes almost impossible for us to hit the target of pleasing all the members because they all have a different target. And we never make anybody happy. And, and a different expectation and a different mm-hmm. um, pet ministry that they mm-hmm. think is most important that we should be mm-hmm. at or participating mm-hmm. with. And I, um, <laughs> this is hard for us to talk about. And it's a hard thing for the churches to talk about. It's mm-hmm. painful to realize, and it's painful for us. But I often tell people going into ministry, if if you need to be liked, like if if you're going to lose sleep over the fact that people don't like you, this is probably not the thing for you to do with your life. Um, there's a really great meme that says if um, if you need to be liked and are going to be upset that you're not, um, buy an ice cream truck. Don't go to seminary. That's right. There. That's right. So okay. So what then? Um, what is the opposite of <laughs> a budget that that focuses inward? What is um, what would be a sign of life? Okay. Um, so we don't decide what we're going to spend on outreach, on reaching new people, on missions and ministry. We don't decide that by what's left after we have paid for our staff and our buildings. We decide what we want to invest in that up front, and then we make everything else work around it. They tell us that you should spend 10% of your budget on outreach and evangelism, like on reaching new people and getting word out about what you're doing. Um, Almost very few churches spend that full amount on there. So what are some signs that a budget is inwardly focused? Okay. Um, The balances of what they're spending outweigh. And the two categories that usually falls into is personnel. Every year, the personnel percentage of the budget creeps up. And it's not that they're paying their um, staff more. They're usually level funding, which means that the people you have such a high expectation of gradually sink behind what they need um, as far as to be adequately compensated. But it's because, I'm going to quote from Tom Rainer right out of the book, because the church members view the staff as their personal caretakers. The staff members aren't expected to be reaching out to others beyond the church. They're mostly the hired hands for the comfort of the church members. That's page 33 mm-hmm. in autopsy. Yeah, so the, so the less that members of a congregation do, the more that staff members have to yes. do and pastors have to do. The appropriate range, they tell us, for um, staff salaries is between 40 and 60%. The closer you are to 40, you either have a really active laity – They do a lot of things and don't expect to be paid for it. Or you're understaffed. You're going to have high turnover and people who burn out quickly. If you're up towards 60%, it usually means 60% or over that you have a very uninvolved laity. The members of the church don't expect to be active in ministry. They expect to be ministered to. And that's really not the role of the pastor. The pastor is not supposed to be 
the one who does all the ministry. The pastor is supposed to be the one who coaches and coordinates all of us doing Powers, ministry. Powers, facilitates, all of those mm-hmm. sorts of things. And that's biblical mm-hmm. for us. The other thing that consumes a large piece of the budget, a disproportionate amount, would be buildings and facility costs. Um, we begin to have more building mm-hmm. and more costs for maintaining those aging buildings because our church is shrinking, and so larger proportions get spent on that. So Okay, so what, what do we do then? So do we – do you – how do you solve the How do you solve the problem? <laughs> you know, if you've got too too much, too many staff members, too many many buildings, like mm-hmm. what do we do? What do you well, do? the solutions are hard, and I think that's why a lot of these churches die because they don't know how to change that. They know where they are, they find themselves in this book or through some other way, and don't know what to do about it. I think what you have to do is recapture your mission and vision. You have to say, we exist to reach people for Christ. And once we have been reached, once we're a disciple, it means we need to be active in doing that. And so God will call some of us to be active in those outreach programs, to be the ones who are going and helping doing that. We'll call other members to help do the things in the church that free up your staff and those who are called to outreach and stuff to go and do that. I really would love to see churches... Um, frustrated that their staff spends too much too much time in the office. Instead of being mm-hmm. frustrated that you dropped by and they weren't there and it's already 10 o'clock or it's just 3 o'clock in the afternoon, that you want them out there. What are you doing? Where are you involved in, in mm-hmm. the community? Why are we not having more baptisms, more professions of faith? What are we doing to change that? Mm-hmm. Um, those are the things that people should be pushing us to do more of that mm-hmm. instead of um, more that makes them happy. More home visits, yeah. more phone calls, more mm-hmm. more things like that, which is really the role of a congregation. Mm-hmm. It, it is the role of a congregation to care for one another. Um, mm-hmm. It's the role of a pastor to be there in pastoral emergencies, mm-hmm. funerals, weddings, um, life and death situations mm-hmm. when people are in the hospital mm-hmm. and significantly uh, in jeopardy. You know, it, it's a community of faith that cares for mm-hmm. one another. It's not just... Us. Most of us in ministry have heard the story told um, of someone who's been in the hospital and that they're complaining that nobody from the church has visited me. The church hasn't even reached out to me. And then you get to talking to them and find out their Sunday school classes sent people by every week. Mm-hmm. Um, their friends are calling every day. What they mean by the church has not even checked on me they is mean the pastor, the pastor has, has not come. And and one of the things that we know is that churches that depend on their pastor to know them, know their name, check on mm-hmm. them regularly, there's only so many people that you can check on and there you can be is. in regular contact with. And a church is going to stay in a particular mm-hmm. range mm-hmm. as far as it, as far as size goes. Mm-hmm. Um, That's exactly right. Carrie Newhoff has an article, um, How Pastors Die Trying. In there, but he talks about, and I'm, I'm going to just quote from this article. You can find it on his site, carrynewhoff.com. When the pastor has to visit every sick person, do every wedding and funeral, make every house call, attend every meeting, lead every Bible study or group, he or she becomes incapable of doing anything else. Message preparation falls to the side, and providing organizational leadership that ensures a healthy future becomes out of the question. We call that a pastoral care model of church leadership, and it simply doesn't scale. A pastor can take care of 30 members personally, but caring for 230 is not. So we have to decide if we were willing to share some of that so that our our pastors and staff can be able to do 
other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we have we have a history of doing that here at our particular church. We're in the process of reforming a care team. Mm-hmm. Um, some of this changed because of COVID. Oh, absolutely. Um, so there are people who are judging the amount of pastoral care, congregational care, based on what they're experiencing in the last year or so, when that's not indicative of what we'd like to be doing or even what we should mm-hmm. be doing, because we had to restrain some things from COVID. Like mm-hmm. right now, it's not possible to visit right. in hospitals. They're not having people there. Right. Um, so it becomes a, a challenging thing. It, it can be very, very painful for churches if they have too much building. How do you get rid of the building? Like, what what do you do about it? Um, do you tear them down so you don't have to maintain them? A lot of them have asbestos. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are in areas where who would you sell it to if you if you chose? Mm-hmm. So you al- we almost sometimes get stuck, which is why the move became popular. I think in the late 80s, early 90s to build multi-use space. Mm -hmm. And there can be some challenges with that where it's like it's your worship space, but it's also your fellowship space. Mm -hmm. So what happens when you decide to have a potluck dinner after church, like after worship? Mm -hmm. Where do you do both of those so you actually have to find some way to entertain someone out of the room while they're putting up the tables and taking down the other chairs? Um, But that may be a wiser model um, one thing we have we really have start, stopped doing and need to stop doing is overbuilding. Yes, please. It actually is a better model to multiply services than to build bigger spaces. Because mm-hmm. um, you can use the same space multiple times for less money than you can build an enormous space to house you all if everybody showed up on the same mm-hmm. day. But the idea of budget is a really, really painful one for all of us. And so what do we do? Um, The solving it becomes part of what you can work with a consultant. You can engage in prayer. You can struggle through as a church. I want to give one more quote at the very end of this chapter in Autopsy of a Deceased Church. Um, It's on page 36 of my particular version of this. In all the churches we autopsied, a financial pattern developed. The pattern was one where funds were used more to keep the machinery of the church moving and to keep the members happy than funding the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. He goes on to say that the problem is not just the money. The money is symptomatic of a heart problem. The church cares more about its own needs than the community and the world, and no church can sustain such an inward focus indefinitely. It will eventually die of heart failure. So the first solution is to decide we want to live, Mm -hmm. and we want to do that by being a church. And that means we have to go back to doing what the church is supposed to do, and we need to make our money, our staffing, our buildings and use of them line up with the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Thank you, Tammy, and thank you all for listening to another episode of Churches Thriving. We look forward to being with you again next week.